Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Uh, good to talk to you, Ryan. I'm okay. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, same, same, same. So, enough of, enough of that grab-ass, Todd. That's just too much. Um, let's, what are we talking about today? <laughs> We're talking about inner passivity on request. Yeah. On request, yeah, and I think it makes for we're going to find out. It's a nice pair actually with the last episode because there is going to be some uh, callbacks to thinking about the big other um, eventually with this idea. But we definitely want to set it up first. So there are um, three thinkers who are primarily uh, associated with um, interpassivity um, as a as a theory, and it's probably like we're going to be talking about Robert Fowler. Um, and I think I just said his name like it's Fowler, but it's. It's not P F A L L E R, and uh, Slavoj Žižek, of course, and then uh, probably f- for the both of them, um, I mean, like Lacan would be perhaps the the inventor of the of the of, of the idea um, with uh, an, an example right. that Fowler will talk about, but we we don't, we don't know, right? What, yeah, what, no, what it's an interesting say? question because Fowler is the one who coined the term, so yeah, so I think you know there are other instances of it. And a, a, a Lacan is the one who first, are you know, makes a makes and creates the idea, but he doesn't have the term. And right. and then Slavoj is following up him up and and used and talking about things that are examples of it, but again without the term. So it's it's Fowler who really brings everything together with the term. And I, I said to you yesterday, it's kind of like the invention of calculus with Leibniz and Newton. Like who is yeah, it that really, yeah, right. who is it that really invented it? Or it's kind of a simultaneous invention. But actually I think that's a little unfair to Robert because I think, I think it's really Fowler who, who, because he has the term mm-hmm. that he really brings all these disparate phenomenon together under one rubric. And I think that the term here is really essential. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's one other person who in the um, mid 90s did important work here, and that's our friend Henry Cripps. So we should not not mention him. That's correct. Uh, right. As well. So, um, so interpassivity, um, I came to this term through um, uh, Zizek's work. And what's really great about this book of um, Robert Fowler is that, what is it, 2002? Uh, uh, I think out? that's when it was published in Austria, but it's. Or no, no, wait, no, I'm wrong. It's it's it was published in English, right, in 2002. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, and it's a collection of essays that he published in um uh in German uh, mostly, right? Uh in, uh in other years. And what's really great about the um the way that he frames like his his essays, and this is something that that I I did not know, is that interpassivity emerges as a response against a call in the mid 90s. Uh, to, toward interactivity as being this um, primary, um, I don't know, goal for art, and 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 he sets that up, and it's it's just so funny because like I um we're gonna define we're gonna define the 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 term like shortly, but the context is uh, is important, so it's um and it's easy to 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 to, to I think it's easy to miss, like I like I just I didn't know this at all. Right. And I think it's re- that's why his that's one of the things that's really important about his book. I think that it shows the context of mm-hmm. responding that inner passivity is a theoretical response to the call for interactivity. And you're right. It's a, it's kind of amazing because we don't you know, we have all this interaction with Internet today and we, there's mm-hmm. no sense of 
interactivity as the way that we talk about what we're doing when we're on the internet, which I think is so funny because when it mm. first started out, that was the dominant way of thinking. That, mm-hmm. and, and not only was it the way of thinking, it was also prized because, as you said to me, like if you're, if you're proposing a grant and you have something <laughs> yeah. in there about being active or about student-centered or something it's going to be accepted. Whereas if you talk about, if it's, if it emphasizes passivity, Mm -hmm. that's seen as negative and a bad thing. So I think there was a whole, that while that was a, while interactivity was a, was a fetishized word at the time, I think it's still the note, the emphasis on activity is still dominant today. And so I think that the importance of interpassivity has to be seen in that light. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it's one of these uh, things like, so as he writes in the book, like I, I think, when he wrote in 2002 that like the, the call for interactivity in art was falling away. Um, this, this, I mean, he does literally write this in the introduction. I think we're right back there though. Like, like the, there is a, so much media that is all about like audience participation. And one of the things that he says like early in the book is that like, um, and, and his, he is very, um, Althusserian, like, like it is Althusser who like, um, uh, underlines like a lot of the theory for Fowler and, one of his like guiding lights is that like the, there's a just one must have a and I'm quoting him here a deep mistrust of the assumption that activity is fundamentally good and that consequently activating the beholder will always be aesthetically productive and politically satisfying and this is the assumption that is like Netflix is making like you know Black Mirror Bandersnatch these like choose your own adventure kind of TV series and they're right. investing in more more of this kind of technology um TikTok as an app is a pretty good example of uh, an an interactive um, social media, you know, because you can put the thing with TikTok is you can put uh, different videos together. So you can have like two kind of like side by side, like someone responding to somebody else, like and making a new video uh, out of that. And even just social media in general is that like it's this constant. What was that the the word you you said it was phatic communication, right? Is, right, uh, right. Is, is, is Twitter right? It's just it's 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 just it's people talking, and it's not right. They're communicating for the sake of communicating, not for the sake of articulating something. Yeah, right. And so that's the, I mean, that's the the premise of a of a lot of um, media. Um, you know, I don't know, communication, if that word deserves like um, in, inverted commas, like or or or, or doesn't like. So we're definitely it's 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 a. Um, if Fowler thought that the um, the idea was most um, like vital in like ninety six or ninety seven, and then it is due for a polit- uh, like a theoretical reappraisal in two thousand two because like interact the, the the zest for interactivity had fallen away in art, uh, but we still had this theoretical idea of interpassivity. I think it's maybe even more important now to right. to, to talk through and 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 to and to understand and to like. Re, you know, it's very easy. I just like on the just on the face of it, like like passivity is so is quite often uh, damned, especially in in media studies. Like it took a very long time for t- television to be taken seriously, and the um you can read a lot of um there's a, there's a, a general acceptance in uh, one one of the um essays. There's a very famous essay by Robert about uh, by Robert Stam about uh, TV news, and there's just a, an, a, an acceptance of the the assumption that like TV viewing is passive, and whereas film viewing is active, and so there's just something like like quote naturally different about the TV viewer than the film viewer, and so that's like the basis for theorizing the TV viewer of anything. 
And as you said to me, one goes to the movies, whereas one sits and absorbs television. Yeah. Yeah. Even in that, yeah, even in the, the the phrase. So yeah, so this is um I think it's probably probably good enough setup. So let's uh, let's talk about the let's talk about the term like how yeah, the concept um, first of all right like yeah. what the concept means. So so the, the idea for Fowler is that we export our enjoyment of something. So he gives a couple of his examples. I thought you know uh, so Lacan's first example. Let's talk. We'll mm-hmm. go historically through them. So sure. Lacan's example is the this is the Greek chorus and the chorus. Mm-hmm. His idea is that the chorus, it feels in the stead of us as spectators. So as spectators, we don't have to feel anything. And mm-hmm. we can leave the play and experience ourselves having gone through these emotions that only the chorus has actually felt. So this is Lacan's idea. It's, it's developed in Seminar 7 when he talks about Antigone. And then Zizek gives, which is probably the most famous example of this, the example of canned laughter in a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the the... The the show actually, Slavoj says, laughs for us, and we we sit there. We're kind of like idle on the couch, like a couch potato, and we get up after the half hour sitcom, and we say, "Oh, I I had a good time. I I, I had amused myself, or I was mm-hmm. amused, right?" And even though mm-hmm. we never even chuckled, because right. the show laughed in our stead. Fowler gives this other interesting example, and this this got a little too close to the heart for me, <laughs> or, or I guess you know he's not being critical of it, so it's uh, so I think it's fine, but. His example was when you're photocopying. I don't. People don't do this anymore. But when you're photocopying journal articles at the library right. as a as an academic, that you never end up actually reading the articles, but right. you, you leave the library with this feeling like, "Wow, I really did some <laughs> serious research." And I used to feel that all the time. I was like, yeah. I'd come out of the library and be like, "Wow, I really did something today." And all I did really did was make a bunch of copies. You know, you just so, you made it. You made a machine read for you. Right. That's, like, that's that, his yeah. point. Right. Yeah. That the machine yeah. reads for me, and that there's and Fowler's idea is that we actually in we export our enjoyment. That's his mm-hmm. idea. That we export yeah. that that inner passivity is the exporting of our enjoyment. And yeah. it's interesting what he thinks of that. But but I think first let's just stick with like what that what that means. Cause it's a, it's a very, I mean, those are good, I think examples of it, but, mm. but that idea of exporting our enjoyment is basically what is at work in the concept. Yeah. I think, um, in a, in a previous episode, I, I, I may have, um, added to this list, uh, like adding movies and TV shows to your Netflix queue and then never watching them. Right. Like it, it, it fulfills the, the same function. And so, uh, it's, and, and so this is, so this is important, um, because for, whatever reason I think this is largely a, uh, due to a misreading on my part is that I thought like inner passivity was a like a, a negative uh, in an evaluative sense a negative phenomenon and that like not that we should be more active I never got that sense but that we should do something that there should be something else some yeah. like like it, I perhaps it's the example of the the TV series laughing for you and then you like that you have um not engaged and maybe that's me buying into the uh the idea that activity is a fundamental good that doesn't need to be like challenged or 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 made an argument for itself but that sort of um disengagement i think is, is that that's what i thought now what follows well, twist well, on this you, as you yeah, okay, go ahead. yeah can go ahead. I, so, I just yeah. want to chime in right on this point because i yeah. think it's interesting that the whole frankfurt school 
response to this same phenomenon, even though they don't name it at all. So like Theodore Adorno, Max Horkheimer, mm-hmm. Herbert Marcuse, like their, their claim is exactly what you said. Like this is, <laughs> this is the most ideological thing that we can imagine. And so yeah. Adorno canned laughter is for him the low point in the history of Western culture. Right. Mm. So, so it's fascinating. He, for one thing, he doesn't connect it back to the Greek chorus, which he has a great, you know, he's a, he has a great esteem for the Greek classics, but, um, <laughs> well, so, which would be the reason why he doesn't connect it back to the, of course, of course, of course yeah, yeah. right. That he doesn't want to think like, oh my God, this all in the family, he died before all in the family came out, but, um, yeah, this yeah. all in the family that I hate is, yeah. is the same as Antigone. Oh my God. I don't want to have to think that. <laughs> um, but, but so interesting, it's interesting that, that Fowler and Zizek represent a real departure from that traditional cultural studies Frankfurt School mm-hmm. response to critical theory, response to this aspect of popular culture, right? That that mm. that the way in which it does things for us, for Adorno and Horkheimer, was disastrous. Like that's about yeah. that's the way we lose our subjectivity. Mm-hmm. And I think for 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 Robert, I think what's interesting is that it that the fact that we lose our subjectivity in it is almost a good thing. Like yeah, you yeah. Kind of, so. you get away from your you let someone else bear the burden of your symbolic identity. I think in that mm. moment mm-hmm. of inner passivity, I I think that is a very nice way of putting it. And I think that reading from him um, is he doesn't spend a lot of time on this, but it, it it's in um, violent video games is maybe the best. Uh, example of exactly that phenomenon where the there is this some there is uh, an other that enjoys like for you and so that you don't have to I don't know so so I he he calls it a defense mechanism of not actually going out and being violent in any possible way uh, uh, later and and not bothering alive people and so that. That yeah, so this represents a um, a positive thing, and he and the word I think his word is delegate, like that you delegate, you delegate the, your enjoyment, right? right, right, and um, which is really which is really interesting. Like there's something like um, I don't know if you thought about this. Like there's something kind of like democratic about that that word choice. Uh, yeah, you know, like like yeah. or, or and um, I don't know. Like it's yeah. So okay, so so the there's another who, who, for whom you delegate enjoyment in your stead. And, right. um, I think, so can you, for, for everyone, cause I, I don't know that I'm a hundred percent on this, on, on seeing the positive, like the purely pot, like it seems to me, not that I'd be on the side of Frankfurt school, but it, it does seem to me that there is a, um, there's a desubjectivizing in this that to me would be the um, the antithesis of theory. But so what does Follard do with this? How does he argue? Or, uh, yeah, it's an interesting this? question because I'm not sure that he comes down. I mean, I do think so in his other, he has another book where he talks quite a bit about um, the same phenomenon, interpassivity, yeah. and it's called, the, the subtitle is, actually the subtitle is more what it's about than anything. It's called Illusions mm-hmm. Without Owners, the the, mm-hmm. the regular, the, Book title is on the pleasure principle in culture, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think his idea is that the kind of what's at work in those that inner passivity is what he calls. So he makes this opposition between belief and faith, mm-hmm. and he sees belief as 
precisely this belief that we believe in this illusion that no one really actively accepts, right? So, mm-hmm. so believing in it means, I don't know, it's hard to say what it means because it means, <laughs> it doesn't mean, so, so to have faith in it means that mm-hmm. you really yourself are, you have a fundamental internal conviction that it's true, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But belief is just, I imagine, not imagine, he wouldn't like that word, but I, 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 I posit that there are a, a big other that mm-hmm. is, that does believe in this idea or this ritual or whatever. And I think that, like, what's positive about that for him, I think, is that it allows, a, I think it allows a mm-hmm. community to, or collective to form hmm. in a way that's not possible in a faith-based structure like like that 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 we're making this connection to others i think this is mm-hmm. what he would say and, okay. and i'm not sure that he fully makes this explicit but i think this is what he's getting at that that through this through this ritualized belief system mm-hmm. we we can connect with other, we we allow ourselves to connect with others and i think he thinks that we can also uh I don't know. I'm not sure exactly why he thinks mm-hmm. this, but he thinks that we can avow our pleasures in a way that we can't in the faith system, right? Like that—that okay. that, that inner passivity allows us to not hate our own pleasure in a way that, uh, you know, like active activity does. I don't know. Interesting. I mean, maybe no, that's, that's, does that no, make that's sense? It does make sense, and I mean, I think the, here's a. I, I just saw this in the. I have the the PDF of inner passivity up in front of me, and yeah. this he says he says this um, in the in the introduction that inner passivity is double delegation. Just to to go on the side of belief, because you're absolutely right about this. Inner passivity is double delegation. The fact that inner passive people first transfer their pleasure to a representative agent, and secondly transfer the belief in the illusion they have staged to an undefined naive other provided a valuable clue for further anyway but that that this like double double delegation this like double move of it's uh of delegating pleasure and then transferring belief in that illusion and so i want to give another example so this is this is something that is um a a much decried um uh, cultural phenomena, which is going to, well, I mean, no one can do this now, uh, or like a, like a live event, like a, okay. like a sports event or a concert and recording it with your phone and then <laughs> watching the recording on your phone and not watching the concert that's right in right. front of you. Right. And this is like a, like a lampooned, like, like ridiculed, like a uh, uh, b- behavior, but Fowler would be, he, he would come at it from th- that, from another angle, right. That like, that there's, um, or I don't, I don't know. Like, like the, I, I think the, the, the common take is that like you were, um, you're not, you're not even there. You like, this is, the, this is the whole thing is that like, you're not there. You're not being there. You're, you're like, you're watching your phone, watch something. And that's all like, you know, just, just be in the moment, right? This thing, I, I feel like I talk about it all the time and that right. that's, you, you should do that. And I think the, um, in this example, right. Is that the, um, the phone is enjoying the concert for you so that you can enjoy it. I I, I think is is, is what, is what follower would say is that, that there's, um, there's some having this, um, this, this go between makes it 
easier or not, not just easier. It makes it possible to like enjoy it at all. I think that would be Fowler's point is that like, you can't in like, um, you know, like, uh, it's uh sometimes it's hard i mean I, I don't know if this this makes the same thing but it's sometimes hard to watch um a movie you've seen a bunch of times uh just like by yourself unless you really want to watch it but if you're seeing it with someone who's watching it for the first time it's like it's a whole new ball game it's like right. it's, it's you like watch it through them right. exactly like, and that is and, an, that's an exact example of a great example of inner passivity and the way that you're enjoying, I mean, look, what, what's really, I think what's really uncovered by this concept, and this, mm-hmm. I think, is something that is hinted at by what Fowler says and hinted at by what, by what Slavoj says, but not really fully developed by either, isn't it that our enjoyment is always the enjoyment of the other? That there yeah, really is yeah. no, there's no direct enjoyment. That inner yeah. passivity is the form of yes. all our of enjoyment, right? And I, I yes. think this is why you and I both love sports because yeah. <laughs> sports is a great example. And Fowler uses it in his in the in the on the pleasure principle and culture. He uses sports as quite a bit as the example for mm-hmm. how that how we enjoy through the other. And it's I mean, sports is so great because there everybody knows anybody who's plays sports knows this absolutely that that the person watching imputes the enjoyment to the players. Like, look, they're winning. They, but it's really, it's there's far more enjoyment in watching a sport than ever there is in playing. Like, even in winning a game, there's far much more, far more enjoyment in watching the team that you root for win the game than there is in actually winning the game. You know, so it's just, it's, it's. I think that's really, I think there's this fecundity of the notion of inner passivity. Mm-hmm. That that because of the way it exposes you know everything about the way we enjoy, mm. yeah, it's so interesting. I think that the sports example is so good. Like if your team wins the Super Bowl, you can ride that high for years. But if you're a player, you got to go back to work like in right. a couple right. months, and it doesn't matter anymore, and no one cares, and it's like you didn't do anything at all, and right. um and and so. But same if you same if the team loses, right? Like exactly, I can exactly still right. yeah. I could, it's, it's like 30 years later almost. And I can still remember. Listen, I'm going to interrupt you. Boomer Syerson is over it, but you will never be over it. I will never be. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Like I can remember the exact play (laughs) of the dropped interception that cost the Bengals the Super Bowl, And that just, that, that will never, which is interesting because I, I, you and I've talked about this quite a bit, whether Robert Fowler is himself a sports fan or not, because he says when you're, because of this, you're in this inner passive zone when you're mm-hmm. watching sports, you really don't remember what happens in the game. And I just don't think that's right at all. Yeah, like I, don't I think, think that's true. <laughs> I think like some of those, some of those things from sporting events are so seared in my memory, much more than like girlfriends that I've had or, or, you know, like other great highlights of my life. Like the, to me, like those sporting events are, 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 you know, like I, they almost dot my life more than any of my own personal things. Yeah. It's, it's almost like it's a, um, it's a, since it is a, um, I think sports trauma is like, is a, is a specific thing. It is a, it is a social kind of, uh, trauma that I think is, um, it, it, I think it's both like you've, I think you, you, you feel it more because it's, like it just it's happening in front of you like it is so it is so visual but it's also i i think and and maybe this is uh also on the benefit of uh, interpassivity it lets you deal with it better than like real trauma that happened to you that like you can't you just you can't touch 
right. the, um, you, you know, so like, you know, as I've talked about in this podcast before, like, uh, the, um, the, like the car accident that I was into and the mints that I have constantly is my way of my, my interpassive way of, of, um, dealing with the, that, that whole, um, moment in, in my life. But it's a lot like, um, you know, there were like, there were two, my God, there were like, there were two times that the, the, the jets with Mark Sanchez were like, uh, like had a ch- chance to go to the Super Bowl, and they like, my God, did they blow it, and that that yeah. hurt so much. And like the, I mean, the, the Yankees losing to the Red Sox in two thousand four, like that was like a huge, you know, or like um, it's, uh, in twenty thirteen fourteen, uh, Liverpool had a chance to win the uh, the league, and like just everything that happened in this game against Chelsea, like I remember it so clearly. And like um, anyway, so it, it's. Well, I think the trauma is because it's passive. I think the trauma yes. much more that like it's interesting that it's a passive experience of trauma, and that yes, I mean, so yeah. so Robert says. I think this is again also a fascinating thing. He, I think, his theory almost is. I think he kind of says this in the inner passivity book that mm-hmm. we we go for inner passivity and we 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 delegate our enjoyment mm-hmm. precisely to have the enjoyment without the trauma attached to it. But yeah, I'm not sure. I, it, I, I don't think it works that way. I mean, no, no, I don't think yeah. so. It, I always because really, I think you're right. Like if you're a player, you can you get over it. And it, yeah. but if you're watching it, you just don't because I almost think it's because you experience it passively. And there's something about enjoyment that is passive. I think yeah. that, like and yeah. I think I wonder if all this emphasis on interactivity isn't a like can we flee from our enjoyment. Yeah, that's, oh, that's really, really nice. I mean, cause another, another way of, I mean, you know, we brought up, um, sports again and another episode we brought up sports in was when we were talked about immediacy with Anna Cornblue. And I think that's another, like a, a, another way to think about interpassivity and it's like theoretical status is to think about it, like taking up a position against immediacy. Right. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. that's, and that's, you know, like the position of like mocking the person watching the concert on their phone instead of watching the concert, that is like trying to uphold some um, faith in immediate enjoyment, which right. rather which than doesn't uh, exist, doesn't maybe? exist. Yeah, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. yeah. Then yeah. belief in passive enjoyment, which you can like um, actually uh, th- which I think that this is in the theory that like you actually have access to, but only through um, the, the enjoyment of the other. And I think that's such an interesting, you know, we talked about, um, I believe in a, a previous episode, right. That desire is always the desire of the other. And I think right. that's really, yeah. really interesting to say that enjoyment is right. Like, like but, enjoying is the enjoyment of the other, but it's, it's yeah, obviously it's, it's a different, it has to be different, right? Like it's yeah. interesting that in order to come up with this idea of the, of inner passivity, Fowler, this is in the on the pleasure principle and culture book. He said he 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 thinks like maybe we could redefine what Lacan thinks of the symbolic order, mm-hmm. and 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 thus strip it of all the things that are that are most problematic about it for him. So he says defining Lacan's concept of the symbolic as an order of illusions of the other, that is, an order of inner passivity, mm-hmm. means freeing the symbolic from all the overtones of prohibition and superego. The symbolic mm-hmm. law would be exclusively the law of the pleasure principle, the entire realm of the superego's imperative, as well as a sense of duty, however, would oppose this symbolic law and mm-hmm. would be classified as belonging to the imaginary. So it's an interesting way to think about, and I think that's totally in keeping with his belief in the importance of interpassivity, right? Like that mm-hmm. that that we can get rid of this, that what he sees as the noxious part of the big other, 
mm-hmm. and we can and we and because he aligned interestingly he we talked about this last time he aligns symbolic and big other totally yes, um, but, yes. but mm-hmm. but he does it um in this way he wants to take out these other aspects which he thinks are actually imaginary like that the mm. super egoic dimension of the big other is just an imaginary thing that gets attached to it. So I think that's pretty interesting and in a way, you know, he's trying to think of a way to, you know, s- retain, like he's trying to think about how it can be this enjoyment of the other mm-hmm. when it's not the other, when the, without the big other being solely a force of ideology, right? Like th- that's yeah. what he's really trying to, I think that's what he's trying to get and that's the the kind of the bind that that the concept has because you're just like you said like if it's if it's the enjoyment of the big other then well that's a big problem right yeah yeah definitely and i think that this he uses a phrase i don't know if you caught this i'm not sure if it comes up any other point than in the introduction he uses the phrase social unconscious yeah which, yeah which i think is really interesting and i and i kind of think as far as like because I, I I think this happens like sometimes in theorist work where there there's like the un the there's an uninterrogated like phrase that is like the key to the whole thing that like yeah. maybe the, even the person writing it is not fully aware of. But I think yeah. this phrase social unconscious obviously he's refusing the Jungian no Jungian point right yeah right, absolutely right. absolutely but right. it's that it's a very Althusserian thing to say I think don't you? yeah I think that's right I think that's right it's like the, the well, so I think that this would be a way of of, of saying that, like that, int- that um, truly, like reckoning with theorizing and um, and observing the, like observing the uh, priority of interpassivity over interactivity, um, and looking at the symbolic in the way that Fowler wants to look at it um, allows us to think about. A, a social unconscious and how these like all these like inner, I think this is, this is maybe the, the, the phrase that, that, that like I would, I would prefer is like all these interpassive activities that like we just talked right. about or like, you know, right. like that all these, like these, these interpassive activities, like, uh, like actually put us in touch with this social unconscious. I don't know. What do you think about that? I think that's right. And I think he, I mean, don't you think the underlying project is to construct, how do we construct a collectivity yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, that, and, and I think inner passivity becomes the vehicle for him to construct this activity that otherwise would be not, it, it wouldn't be evident, it wouldn't be possible to construct. So I think that, I yeah. think what he, I mean, I think in the end, and again, I think it's the influence of Althusser, and he's very much, in, he, I don't know if he still calls himself Althusserian, but at some point he, I think he did. Um, but, but I think that this, that, that idea of, 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 you know, finding a way that's not constrained by ideology to, mm-hmm. to form a collective. I think that's what's at work in his, in, in even the formation of the concept of yeah. passivity because it, it does, it does like it, it, it highlights your connection to the other, right? Like that's, it for yeah. sure does that. Yeah. I think that's what's in like, that, that's like Henry Cripps's great example uh, is mystery science theater which is that like you, you're not just watching a bad movie. You're watching funny people watch a bad, watching movie. a bad movie. Yeah. Right. And that, and you're watching it with them and like, you know, they're like, they're making the jokes for you. Um, but it's also, there's a community in that, you know, like, right, like, like right. it's, and I, I think your Henry's very concerned with that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. concerned. So he thinks that it's, Henry thinks that's a negative phenomenon. No, no, no. Concerned. Oh, no, like, sorry. like that's, oh, he thinks it's important. Right. Like, yeah, think, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like, I mean, I think that's, the, I mean, that's at, at, at work in all of, I mean, isn't that at work in all, like all the examples that, that, that we've given, right? Like watching, like watching your phone, watch the concert is also like the phone is kind of documenting how many people are there as well. So it's right. also seeing the, like the people in the crowd, like that it, it is this like social thing, you know, like obviously like sports is, is like, my goodness, like you're, you're, um, you know, and I actually think it's more, it's almost more, um, apparent now, like the, the collectivity because there aren't fans in the stadium. I don't think anyone expected this, but this is like, you know, I've been watching, I, when the Bundesliga came back, uh, I, and I wanted to see a live sport. Um, I watched, uh, you know, the, these, um, these, these German soccer games and, you know, then, uh, England has come back and, you know, Syria and La Liga and all that. And, you, I, I just think that there's almost a greater sense that other people are doing the exact thing that you're doing. Whereas like, if you maybe argue, could argue before that when you watch something at home, like you're imagining yourself as like a spectator that's actually there. And there's no way to imagine that right now right. in the time of coronavirus. Right. It's just simply impossible. Right. But you know, but so it actually, it forces you to be act, to be further on the side of, of, of belief. And that there are other people. You're literally not the only person watching. Right, you you right. couldn't be. Otherwise, it wouldn't be on television. And right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, like so there's that like th- there's that uh, kind of collectivity that's there even in the uh, mystery science theater example as well. I, I, right. I, I, but isn't it interesting that it's a collectivity formed passively? Like I yeah, think. Yeah. Don't you think that the like isn't the fundamental drive of Marxism is to understand the proletariat as the active subject of history, right? Like, yeah. the, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and transitioning the proletariat from its passive position to an active position is in some way the fundamental Marxist project of class consciousness, right? Like yeah. if we, mm-hmm. if we bring the proletariat, in fact, I think, I don't know who talks about this this way, but you can think of the opposition between the working class and the proletariat in terms of one is just the object of history and the other one, the proletariat, they've actually become the active subject of history, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's interesting that this is a collectivity formed not through any kind of activity. So it in a certain way violates this fundamental Marxist tenet of how can we get an active subject of history formed? And I and it I I I like that about it. I like this notion that actually maybe it's only through passivity that one can really form a genuine collective and that well, I, I actually yeah. think I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, yeah. I actually think that this is in that idea because isn't, isn't a thing that like, this is like a, um, not necessarily like Marxist, but, but like a popular, um, uh, like a popular, um, approach to like, what, do, like, what does America do from here to make sure that the circumstances that have created this oppression for, you know, people of color and, you know, indigenous people just, and, and, and the, the, the burden that like, you know, black Americans like bear a justice, like what do we, how do we avoid this in the future? And one of the things that everybody comes to is education, which is the most actively passive kind of activity. Like you can't, you know, for um, a college class to work, you have to think about it. And not, and, and, and that, that thought is, a is as active as, as I don't want to say it's as active as protesting, but like, um, but it, it, it is just as important. Um, 
And I, I think, so anyway, so I think a lot of like that, like that, the, that, um, uh, like popular Marxist ret- uh, rhetoric about like raising like, like class consciousness and, and, and then in not a Marxist, uh, uh, term, um, or, or not in, not in Marxist terms, but in, uh, like popular political, uh, like discourse, it like, we like coming back to education. Like, I, I think it is in some ways, um, an acknowledgement about how passivity, it, uh, is mobilizing, like I would, I would say. Well, what, how do you say yeah. that in terms of Marxism? Because I think I, 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 no, I just no, just like I like maybe maybe this is just like from like my my friends who identify as Marxist. Like I mean, yeah. they're they're all always on about like education, education, like wider education. Right. And I just think that like there's not like ed, like education is a like like that's a way of thinking about uh, the passivity of education as being active. And I think right. that it, this right. is sort right. of like, like, like flipping. It. That's what I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. But 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 yeah, I think. The, isn't education, if it's really education, passive? I mean, yeah, of like course. course. A, yeah. You know, I always, I've always find it funny these professors that will, from the very first day, start with like, let's have a discussion. I want to hear what you think about this. And I'm always, I always, as a student, thought to myself, look, we're dumb. We come in, <laughs> we want you to tell us something. Like, you know, that was my response as a student. So I've always thought that, not that I know everything, but just that I do know something more than the students. So. I begin the class and then of course they, they have feedback all along, but like the yeah. notion that you can just like make the classroom immediately active, I think is, is completely illusory. And I think that's your point that there, yeah. that there is this kind of necessarily passive moment mm-hmm. in the education process. And there's some political point to that as well. Yes. I think that's right. Yeah. I think it's really right. And I, I it's, it, 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 I find it fascinating because I, I think you're right. So right. That passivity gets a bad rap. And yet mm-hmm. if it's true that education is fundamentally passive and enjoyment is fundamentally passive, then that mm-hmm. seems like the things that are most important for us are, are passive. And yeah. 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 No, like I, I don't know if you know this, I, a part of my grad cohort, uh, he was another year, but at, um, when I was at UVM, he would make classes do jumping jacks if they, if he thought they were like dead, like they weren't like responding to him. And I just thought like, that is just so it's a bad punit- punitive. Yeah. Why would you do, why would you do that? <laughs> like, well. but, it's a, but that's a, but that's a thing. Like, I mean, this is, this is a thing in, in like some, like, how do you, like, literally, like, how do you make the classroom more active? Like, like well, it, it shouldn't just be people sitting at a desk, desk like, um, like, taking notes. Like, that, like, and there's, and it goes back to, like, at the beginning of this, this assumption that activity is on the side of, of good and also on the side of knowledge and that passivity is Knowledge, isn't. right. And, and yeah. revolution and all these things. Yeah. Like, so I, I'll tell you the ultimate nightmare story of this. So I, I, in graduate school, I had a professor who would come to class and he would just bring pieces of paper and no syllabus. And he said, I don't want to impose my idea of a syllabus on you. I want the class to come up with the syllabus collectively. And it was the worst, obviously. This is, this is, he was a total, he was a diehard Marxist. And it was the worst class I've ever had. And it was, you can imagine, it's just terrible because Todd, did, what did, did we he, know? Did he also, did he also say, um, listen, uh, Mr. Robinson is my father. You can call me Glenn. Did he, did he give that line too? Did he, do that? he did not know, but it was okay, almost right. that bad. But yeah. He got fired actually from Ohio State. <laughs> and, and, uh, and this is a very funny story. It's a terrible story, but I'm not going to use their name, so it's fine. But, um, 
Use Glenn. Well, Glenn Robinson. <laughs> by <laughs> a friend it. of mine. So, yeah. so he was on my, and this maybe gives away too much information, but he was on my <laughs> dissertation committee, and so was someone else. And this someone else mm. voted, not only voted against this guy's tenure, but mm-hmm. but came back from out of town. Like he, <laughs> he missed the first meeting, and then the guy mm-hmm. got voted down. And then mm-hmm. everyone was like, well, this guy wasn't here and maybe he would have supported him. And, and so he came back and he's like, I wanted to be clear. My absence was in no way a vote of support for this guy. <laughs> so I, my final dissertation thing was like with these two people that absolutely hated each other. But anyway, this one guy was a total <laughs> believer in active learning, right? And, yeah, it was yeah, just, yeah. and he was a Marxist and it was a mm-hmm. real, like you could just see how disastrous that was. And I, I wonder if, you know, I think, how would you re, I think this is one huge question that, that Fowler's work really makes us think about is how would you refashion Marxism mm. on the basis of inner passivity and the primacy yeah. of inner passivity? Because my God, that's a whole, because then you lose the notion of the proletariat as the agent of history, right? That's like, that's out. And so I think hmm. it's, you have to form a different kind of revolutionary collective. And if it's formed on the basis of passivity, what does that, what does that imply? What does that mean? Well, so I think that's know, really, I don't know. I think Todd, that's really I have, interesting. I have a possible answer. I wonder what you'll think okay. about this. Yeah, this, this just occurred to me. So like there could be problems here, but I think, um, one of the things you might do is to, um, position, I think a, a lot of people um, for Marx, uh, if, if they're if they're not talking about, well, I don't know what what happens popularly. I, I think is that like it's either people talking about capital or communist manifesto. I mean, it's not like popularly people aren't really talking about like Grundrisse. Maybe maybe the German ideology and, and ideology and um, the theses on Feuerbach. But I, I and sometimes you'll you'll see the 18th Brumaire of, of Louis Napoleon, and I wonder. In, in that text, and I think this is one of the most striking things, it's something that I think about with, um, uh, with, with Marx all the time, is that it's not the, the bourgeoisie that's the problem. It's the petty bourgeoisie, isn't it? Right. In, right. That, in that essay. Right. And just to make a... In the 18th uh, Brumaire. In the 18th Brumaire. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. for in 2020, right now, what um, Black Lives Matter and this uh, protest movement and like this is being covered like uh, widespread that, um, you know, I even see these these articles in like New York Times, L.A. Times is that um, uh, white people are having to confront what like whiteness means to other right. people. And it's and, and like this is like a really like as in like this is an important part of like moving forward is that like this this whiteness is interrogated. And to me. It's also, it's, it's, it's similar to, you know, the, the moderate Christians that like Martin Luther King wrote about in letter from Birmingham jail, which is very similar to the petty bourgeoisie that Marx wrote about. And I, and I think that this, like this group, uh, this, this grouping of, of people actually, it's, it's maybe not, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't think that, um, I don't think that Marx or, or King or, 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 or Black Lives Matter, uh, are, are saying that like, it's, um, it's activity and like interactivity that, 
um, this group needs to like, like help, um, oppress people moving forward. It's actually like reflection, like sober, yeah, that's interesting. passive yeah, reflection. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I don't know. Like I, I, I see those, like those three things. As, yeah. As, as maybe so, that, so there's a way in which the current movements are kind of, and even Marx, there's this element of, although Marx, Marx just thought they needed to get out of the way. So he yeah, wasn't, no, no, I mean, sure. I, I mean, but I think that's a really good point that there is this, this, uh, this, the, the seemingly this call for, like the, in the current movement, maybe there's yeah. this element mm-hmm. of like what you need to do is be passive. Like you need to, yeah, your, yeah, 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 yeah. that passivity Agreed. is important, not active, not your activity. Yeah. I think that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that, I think that's probably right. I mean, I, I it's just interesting because I think we so value activity mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. it's hard to think in those terms. And even, you know, I've even read someone say, Someone wrote an editorial and said, look, if you're a white person, just reading a couple of books isn't really, that's not what, we don't care about your little reading group. Sure, now, sure. I understand that, but but yeah, given what you said, it's interesting because maybe <laughs> that is what they need to do, right? Like, yeah. you know, there is this, there is this way that like maybe the passive experience is the transformative experience. I saw this and picture. That, oh, sorry. Just to, no. to like and to, to double down on this, I saw this picture of someone attending a, um, a Black Lives Matter protest. They were um, older, like they looked like uh, it was a kind of a grizzled, uh, like o- older, like white guy who was um, in a in a wheelchair, and he had a sign that just said, "I'm sorry, it took me so long to get here. I had a lot to learn." Wow. Yeah, and and that was like that was like a big image on the like the internet for a little bit, and I and I thought like that like the, and and. There, I think it was on. Um, there are you know all these subreddits, and I think it was, the subreddit it came it appeared on was um, on uh, Black People Twitter was the was the subreddit, and everyone was in like wa- like wild support of this. Like yes, no, that's like, this great. Is, but yeah, can I yeah, can I just yeah, say something yeah, that's that sure. I think is probably wrong, and you're going to tell me why it's terrible? But <laughs> okay, whenever right. I hear people say I, I I just I'm trying to learn, I need. Like, really? Like, what is there to learn? I, I just don't, I never understand that. Like, oh, I had to learn that racism was wrong, or I had to learn that equality was a real value, or I had to, like, what is the problem? Like, I don't. So, I, I agree with you. I, I just, <laughs> I, I never, I think it's not about learning. It's about, like, look, I had to give up this kind of enjoyment that I really got off on, and I want to, it was hard for me to yeah. give it up. It's not because yeah. you learned something. I mean, I no, just, I think every, from the time you're a kid, you know it. I mean, like, okay, there are kids that grow up in, like, severely racist households. But most places, they like, the kids know about equality, and they just, they they, they learn that it's enjoyable to violate that, right? Like, yeah. So it's not, I just, the, the notion, when I hear people say that, I, it always <laughs> just, and I don't know. Is that, is that wrong? Is that, is no, that, no, I don't think it's wrong. But how about okay. this? Could we include that in our passive Marxist project? Like, like that, like that, what what you just said is that like, it, could that find its way into, into the, the, uh, the interpassive revolutionary project is like, right. you're not, you're not learning something. Right. That, actually, right. exactly. that actually does put it in the active I think that's sense. right. I think yeah. that's right. Like, yeah. right. in the passive thing would be, look, I had to give up my enjoyment yeah. that came from yeah. my racism, right? Like, yeah. or my enjoyment that came from looking away at racist acts or whatever it is, right? Like mm-hmm. that's. Mm-hmm. Like I think that I like that idea that it's that's much more of a passive thing and and you know yeah I think that's right I think it's 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 pretty good I mean I want to just pivot slightly to the, this sure, other sure. example that 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 Fowler gives and and this is in the on the pleasure principle and culture and and he talks about the way in which and I find this funny that 
so many people like him. But so Blaise Pascal, <laughs> the French philosopher, okay. is a, is Christian, right? So he's mm-hmm. a he's totally Christian philosopher. In fact, Nietzsche said of him, "We should never forgive Christianity for having destroyed great thinkers like Pascal." <laughs> so <laughs> so, uh, so that's kind of funny. And and he, but he's really Christian. And he had a mm-hmm. conversion. He, he's a great mathematician. Then he has a conversion. Then he just writes the pensée, the thoughts that are never published in his life. And he has the the famous Pascal's wager that he sewed mm-hmm. into his shirt and and mm-hmm. wore around with him. Um, anyway, so so Pascal makes this famous claim where he says, uh, if you if you find your faith wavering, mm-hmm. kneel down and pray, and then you'll believe. And everybody loves right. this idea, right? Yeah. Slavoj loves this, repeats it so often. Fowler talks about it too. And what Fowler likes about that, and I wonder what you think about this, is mm-hmm. precisely its inner passive dimension uh-huh. that when I kneel down and pray, even though I don't believe, I believe that others believe. And so by going through the ritual, I mm-hmm. then experience, I come to the proper experience that it's the belief of the other, that the belief that has no subject, it's always the belief of the other. It's this inner passive mm-hmm. belief uh, that, that I'm invested in. I don't know. What do you think of that? I think that conflicts a little bit with um i think the 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 best chapter of Fowler's book about uh Zizek and the, the how Slavoid, he uses exa- yeah, yeah yeah how he uses example and just like for you know for people who haven't uh read it um what Fowler um writes about with Zizek is like the it, it that he often if you've read ever read or listened to 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 Zizek talk about anything like he will give i mean you know we do this too right like you give a lot of examples about something and what um, to like explain the, the theoretical idea. And what Fowler wants to nail down is that Zizek is never giving you an example that completely explains the concept. He never does this. And this is like so important. I try to like, it's something that I try to um, teach to, to uh, in, in, in my classes be, because I think it's like such an important idea yeah. is that your the example should never explain the concept. The example should always like, either either deepen the concept or it should only it shouldn't fit a hundred percent and it should force some sort of um retroactive or like or like uh this is the word that Fowler prefers like some like retroactive understanding of of the example so that you can never see it in the naive way uh, again and that's well you can also you can never see the concept in the same way again yeah, exactly. And that, and that I, I is like, I think Fowler makes such a great like argument for what, like, as this is what like theory does, you know, like, like, I mean, he, he says that like, you know, for Zizek, like famously that in Hegel antithesis is itself already the synthesis, but it's from another perspective. And he just yeah. said, it was never clear to me. He could never see that in Hegel. And then after Zizek showed that, like, he can't unsee it. You know, right, and it's just right. like when we did um, our uh, phenomenology episode a, a few episodes ago, like when you read Zizek and you accept the thesis uh, that he has that like Lacan's project is an unconscious repetition of Hegel's, you see it everywhere in Hegel. Right. Like it's, it, it's impossible to unsee. And I, I th- and so that I think is the like um the value of uh of of theory is to like uh you know make make strange the familiar in such a way that you know you can you can never see the familiar that way so how and, is how is the pascal thing a problem for that because i like be, that i love that idea obviously 
I, I just think that there's, I, I think one idea is actually about the like activity of passivity. And then one is about pure passivity. It seems like, like, um, like I think the, I think moving, like showing how examples can overturn deepen, like pull apart, right? Like the whole like dialectical thinking through examples that is this, I think this, like this, um, this inter like the interpassive activity that like we've kind of been talking about this whole episode. And I think that Pascal example is like, it's on the side of purely of belief and, and, and the, so I don't know that, I just don't know that those two things. What do you mean purely of belief? I'm I'm just don't understand. Oh no, no. Like, so purely the, like if the way that he, uh, talks about belief as being the um, like giving over to the illusion without right right without without owner. I don't know. I don't think there's that same. It lacks that same kind of um, I don't know retroactive like interpassive movement that the that that he talks about with reading um, theory. I and, see. And I see. That's that's kind of my point. And I and I so I don't. Not that I don't, I don't know. I guess it it could just be like my reading of of the book that he put together, the collection of essays that like, this is like the key idea is, is, is that, um, you know, it's not because I just think he's really clear that inner passivity is not just that like you're letting something happen to you that like, there's something else. But isn't that in the, in the Pascal example, isn't that what look, I'm that's that's exactly it. And that's my, and that's my problem with it. I think like that, that, that's, What's that? That it's just letting something happen to you. It's just letting something happen to you. Okay. Yes. Okay. It's okay. that there's not even the canned laughter. Right. It, right. You know. Okay. Cause, cause it's funny. I never have liked Pascal because <laughs> I like for the, it's interesting cause I totally follow Robert on the, the primacy of inner passivity. And even that as a mode of enjoyment, I think I've been clear about that. I totally, I'm totally into mm-hmm. that, but I think, this privileging of Pascal. And I always have hated this idea that if you <laughs> kneel down and believe, then you'll, then faith will come. If you, I'm sorry, if you kneel down and pray, then faith will come to you. Yeah. I've always hated that idea because I thought I'm just too much of an idealist, I think to, to <laughs> like it, but I've always thought, well, no, that's a, that, that's not really, I have this belief in like a real faith. And then I think that's just, you're just acting it out. Right. And then, and then, and so whatever you get to, it's kind of, it's always going to be. Well, swap the terms out and make that about TV watching. It's like you, if you sit, the laughter will come. That's not his point. No, it's not. No. So, so like, like that, that's right. 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 Like, right. That there has to be something in the experience, like where, like, like if God really spoke when you prayed, <laughs> then, then, then that would work, I think, right? Yeah, like then the yeah. Pascal example, right, right. The TV example is a, is a nice one because because that, even though it's a passive experience, you're getting, you're actually experiencing the others. There is something in the other that's a, that's that's working, whereas that's yeah. not working in the yeah. when you're just when you're just you you go to your knees just to follow the ritual purely without any without any subjective investment in it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, um, I, yeah, I agree with that completely. And I think that's where, I think maybe the, the, I guess the split between us and, and, and him on this is that I think that's where he, um, puts a lot on the illusion and that, that second part of delegation of that, but this, like this night 
what is what is his phrase? The naive does he say naive other? The naive other, I, yeah. And I just think that I and I, I guess to me in the Pascal example, the naive other becomes like purely the big other, and I don't and I think that's right. like a little bit different right. than the right. other. I ideas. think yeah, I think you're right. Like there, yeah. like I think his, like he, I think he's slightly. I mean, he even says it openly in the in the in the one book that it's the big other that he's talking about. He just wants yeah. to change it slightly from Lacan's term. I mean, it's interesting, you know, like he, so the, this is on the final bit from the interpassivity book that he says the basic formula of interpassivity, I want the other to enjoy in my place for myself. Mm-hmm. Enjoyment is unbearable. So mm-hmm. I look desperately for some other idiot who can enjoy my place and, ha- and happy <laughs> if I find one. Right. Like I think it's, it's, it's almost, like, okay, like, I think what he's saying is I want to be happy or I mm-hmm. want to experience pleasure. So I put the pain of enjoyment onto the other, mm-hmm. right? And he even says this. So this is at the end of the pleasure principle book. He says, mm-hmm. um, a culture that's capable of recognizing the form in which its illusions exist. That's what he's arguing for. Eliminating the nis- the need to misjudge the pleasure principle would be capable of experiencing its pleasure in ways other than neurotic ones. And here's the key line that mm-hmm. is other than in the form of displeasure. So, but I would, I'm tempted to say like, what is enjoyment except pleasure in the form of displeasure? Yeah. Right. 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 I mean, so I think it's interesting that like he, in, in, in the pleasure principle book, he, call, he like goes back to the Greeks and these philosophers of happiness. And I think he wants to, and I think for him, inner passivity is in a way an attempt to claim pleasure without the trauma of enjoyment. And mm-hmm. I'm almost tempted mm-hmm. to say that in inner passivity, it's the opposite happens. Yeah. <laughs> like we, the pleasure we delegate to someone else, we just take the trauma of the enjoyment for ourselves. And I think the sports, like anyone sports who's example. a sports yeah. fan has mm-hmm. really experienced that. Right. Yeah. Like, or, or even the co- photocopying, right? Like the copier's running, it's doing its thing. And you're, you're, it's tedious to, you know how tedious it is to, I mean, it's not like having the football team lose on a last second no. dropped interception, but it, it's, it's, it sucks. It's not fun. Right. It's not trauma, like, you know, like trauma, but it's, 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 not, it's tedious and you right. do that. Right. So, so it's not like you're getting the pleasure. It's like you're, you're giving the pleasure to the external force and you're taking on the trauma. You know, I think, I think it's such a good example of this. And, and I'm sorry, I'm going to go back to that Bengals, uh, Super Bowl. <laughs> good. This is, has been a totally traumatic episode <laughs> for me to record. Uh, my, don't um, let my laughter, uh, make you think otherwise, but good. That is okay. Whenever I like for years in our friendship, like we'd never talked about that never, game never. except except as you talking about the, the drive uh, for Montana at the end. Right. And, I and can the, tell in the catch. Oh, that's you, fascinating. That is the, for years. And like, I was with you when you were talking, like you explained it to, to Hillary or like, or, um, you know, or, or your kids or like, we just like, like you've talked about that a number. You want to say the to great me. moment of that because it's a, it's an amazing moment by Joe Montana. Right. Okay. So it's Joe Montana there. Where do they start? Are they starting on the five yard line? No, they're out a little ways, but they're out but a little ways. Okay. They got a, they got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Right? Is this your t- 
<laughs> oh my God. I did not expect Smokey and the Bandit to come up in this episode, <laughs> but that is the lesson. Um, that's okay. The, uh, that's not going to be the lesson. No, it's not going to look. All right. Okay. Yeah, all right. We'll, we'll, all right. We'll, we'll find. Um, so yeah. So just the, the San Francisco 49ers need to drive length of the field, score a touchdown to win the game. And they don't have a lot of time to do it. And ev- everyone is nervous basically on offense and Joe terrified. Montana terrified Joe Montana, the quarterback of San Francisco 49ers is in the huddle. And he just points out to everyone in the huddle. He says, there's John Candy. And they're like, what? John Candy. He's sitting right over there. And that just relaxes everyone. I, I heard another he, player say, I knew at that moment we were going to win the game. That's just that one statement. He says, you know, there's John Candy in the crowd. And then that was it. And he was it, the coolest guy ever to play. I mean, he wasn't a great athlete or didn't have a great arm, but he was just, the, he just was, he was cool. Like he didn't yeah. allow it to bother him. And yeah. it's been interesting that I've always used that whenever I've talked, talked about, about the, that and not about the, be- because it was to the point where like you, you talked about it and like either to me or like I was there where you're talking to other people, it was like into the third time. And I got, it got to the point where I was thinking, I was like, wasn't that against the Bengals? I was like, he's never brought that up. And, <laughs> and, um, and so anyway, so like, I think that that's just a perfect example of that last thing that I said that like, you only have the enjoyment from that and none of the pleasure, like, like that's like the way that, that, that that you, you know, you talk about, um, that Super Bowl and that moment in history. And it ends of course with this, uh, catch, uh, the catch, uh, as it's called, uh, in the end zone by uh, Dwight Clark. Um, and it's, yeah. So, and I, I just, it's a, it's a, I just think that it's a perfect example of that point is that like the, you're, um, there's only the trauma, <laughs> the traumatic enjoyment. Right. right. In and, and the thing is the, it doesn't work the other way. Like when, yeah. when the result is good, you mm-hmm. kind of don't even remember it. You know, yeah. like you kind of, ah, well, that was, that was great. It was great. Like I, I, you know, I, and you enjoy it for a while. You have pleasure in it for a while, but I think it doesn't last like the, like the traumatic part. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. I like, I'll never forget Mark Bellhorn hitting a freaking grand slam game seven, 2004. Right. You right. Know? Whereas <laughs> the, whereas the wins are harder to remember, I think. So I, so it is, yeah. I think it is interesting about the notion of inner passivity that that almost it's almost like what we're giving out what we're allowing the other to have is the pleasure in our stead and we're mm-hmm. taking we're taking on the suffering and the trauma and i mean to me the copying example is perfect i mean obviously it's not trauma but but mm-hmm. you're doing all the work like you're doing the you're laboring and mm-hmm. the other thing is i mean wouldn't it be interesting to to uh, to think of I don't know. I guess it's, I, I was going to say to think mm-hmm. of like what allows people to be in an oppressed situation and make do with it. Is it to mm. what role does inner passivity have in that? Or is that, oh, is it solely your conception of yourself as active that allows you to endure the situ- the oppressed situation that's and not revolt really, against it? Yeah, that's really, really interesting. I think that, um, I suppose, uh, what happens in just in the structure of capitalism is that you and I think you enjoy your own exploitation at whatever level that it, that it appears in. I, I like think that, that's absolutely true, but what are you enjoying the passive? I guess you are. If, if we yeah. are going to claim that enjoyment is always passive, yeah, which I think it is, then, then I think it's, then I think you're enjoying your own passive exploit. So, yeah, so what you're yeah. enjoying is not the actual productivity of your labor, no. You're actually enjoying the exploitation that you're experiencing while you're laboring. Right. Yeah. An, I think I, you have to divide yeah. the labor into the active part, which is 
not enjoyable drudgery, mm-hmm. and then the mm-hmm. passive part, which is what's been forced upon you. And I think that's what you can enjoy. Yeah, and right? I think that's why it's. I think that's why it it takes like the like the the you know as everyone has been like saying right the systematic oppression of, of black people in this country been going on for so long and it's like and you know you know what happens is like it becomes just the air you breathe you know mm-hmm. and then it, it it's so and then like it's just it takes so long to um make it apparent that like it need not be that way this 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 is not like or or also like actually it is this way this is not because you know and i think like people have have um changed the way that they've said this like like smartly like this isn't like a series of broken systems this is you're seeing how these systems work are working right i think that's really good they're, they're working perfectly and i just i think it takes a long time because under capitalism at just a very basic level with like your you know, your labor in it and your, your role in it that like you have to unconsciously agree to enjoy your own exploitation, right. that it makes it, it, that makes it that much harder to, to overturn the, that system because you, you, you do have like, um, I mean, you kind of talk about this in, uh, capitalism and desire, right? Like you, you have this psychic, um, it has, this, it has a psychic hold over you, but there's, For sure. it, be, it becomes kind of a, a, a comfort and that's right. a very, is a hard thing right. to, right. To, I know. I mean, off. it's, you know, right. It's not, of course, it's not like blaming the people. It's just saying like, no, the, yeah. there has to be a way in which you, that there is a psychic reward for participating mm-hmm. in the system. Otherwise it wouldn't, it simply wouldn't be perpetuated. Right. right. Like that's right. the, that's the point. And I think that that it's interesting that inner passivity represents, I think, I, I almost think Robert undersells the radicality mm. of the potential radicality of the concept, just like we've been talking about. Like mm. it could be a way, you know, I've, I've mentioned a couple of times Fabio's attempt to think about Marxism without oh, the yeah, proletariat. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And like that, the proletariat, like that the whole point is that capital or that, that, that capital it's the labor class is a, is, is a posited presupposition of capital. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so the idea would be how can you think about the destruction of capitalism without, or the, the overthrowing of capitalism without that subject. And mm-hmm. I think, I think inner passivity, there's a way to think of that as, I mean, it'd have to be worked out in a much more complex way, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think that, that there's a way to think of that as a replacement, that that idea is a replacement for the missing proletariat. That's really interesting. Uh, when's his book coming out? We can consider this a plug. Uh, I don't think it's finished yet because he hasn't okay, sent it okay. to us yet. So no, so oh, it's, it'll, it. be a, it'll be a while. Although I, I did say this before, his... His essay on the philosophical salon is there, so you can see it. Oh, okay. So, okay. so, and it's pretty good. And and I have a little, I have a little YouTube. I put up some interviews and different videos, and I, I have an interview with him up. And it's actually, it's sadly, it's the only one that has a negative comment because some, <laughs> some, uh, you know, doctrinaire Marxist is like, "Look at you! You can't attack surplus value or something, or um, labor yeah. theory of value or something." That I was, I think, I was more attacking it than Fabio, but fa- Fabio took the. He took the, the hit. Yeah. 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 Well, so. and I mean, this is a, of course, that's the real reason why uh, interpassivity exists to uh, to slam audience participation, right? Like that. As, as being well, that's valuable. an in, right, right. Yeah. I think that, <laughs> that's <laughs> really. I love that point because it is tr- like like when we see examples of interactivity, it's not great, yeah. right? Like if it's the comment section of a of a 
article YouTube or video? whatever, oh, YouTube article. video, yeah. Yeah, article, whatever it is, the comment section, other than the people that seem to comment on our thing, they're all seem Yeah, it's been nice. awesome. Yeah, it's, been so, <laughs> yeah, it's so never great. bad, yeah. never bad, no. I have to say. So, uh, but, but typically when I look down, like if I'm reading a sports article, I really look down, I, I, I can only look at two or three comments before I'm just sickened. Oh by yeah, what's just, said right, and I, I yeah. so I think it's a real argument against interactivity and and yeah. for inner passivity. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I actually um and not to, like this. I mean, this becomes uh, I mean, this is this is going to be like the circle jerkiest thing that we've ever done in this podcast. But like when people comment on SoundCloud for us, it is like I always get the sense it's a genuine question being asked, and you you're the one that comments like ninety percent of the time, and you give a genuine answer back, and it's like. I think it, uh, it's, that's, that's like a real, um, I don't know. There's the, what, what happens in sports article comments or like, or YouTube video comments of like any stripe is there's a lot of look at me, isn't there? Right. Like it's, it's right. a, and it, and it's a big, it's a big performative kind of thing. And I think it's hard. It's much more rare in the, um, I don't know, uh, in the umbrella of like audience participation and like inner interactivity to get like to, to, to get discourse and conversation rather than, you know, right. look at me performing this. this right. Thing I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And, 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 and I mean, again, this doesn't apply to people that have come in and our thing cause that hasn't <laughs> ever happened. But, um, but I think Fowler's point, actually, it's interesting that you brought that up because he sees inner passivity as a, as a, antidote Mm -hmm. to our narcissistic age. So it's really interesting Mm -hmm. in that way. I think that he, he sees, he sees our, the ability to embrace inner passivity as a way to get out of the, the, the structure of narcissism, narcissism Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, like see me performing Mm -hmm. this thing that's at work. Yeah. That is really interesting to, to frame it that way. So like it's, it's you, so when, again, I just like the TV example, can laughter is so good, is that you're not seeing yourself, you're not seeing yourself enjoy it, right? You're, you're, right. it's, it's, it's other, it's the other enjoying and right. that, and I really, really like that that's a theoretical gesture and not like a lazy, like anti-intellectual one that we need to get past. Right. I uh, mean, which it would be for Adorno, right? Like, I think yeah, that's what's yeah. so great about, about this move to Slavoj and, and Robert Fowler away from Frankfurt School and Adorno. It's it's not like the Birmingham School of everything in the popular can be good because mm-hmm. it's real. I mean, B- Birmingham School is interesting, right? Because whereas so Frankfurt School's idea is that we're forced into this, you know, completely passive situation, and they lament it, right? Mm-hmm. Birmingham School's position is, uh. So Birmingham School is like uh, Stuart Hall is the main person. Yeah. There, Angela McRoby. There are a couple other people. Um, who's the guy? Uh, Richard Hebdige, Dick Hebdige. So, so their idea is, no, wait a minute. What you see as passive, there's really all these active points. Yeah. And even and there's no such thing. So like um, there, you can write – I've read an article about how – birth of a nation for black spectators, they watch it as resisting spectators. And so hmm. they don't, rather than just, you know, taking in the racism, they're able to, you know, write their own text. And, and I, hmm. you know what, I just find that unsatisfying. Like that's just, I find that not like that whole move of seeing, it's like, to me, it's like, okay, you're just going to 
look over the whole capitalist racist exploitation that's taking place. I mean, I find Frankfurt school so much more compelling, but what's great about both Fowler and Slavoj is that they, they, they don't opt for that. You know, the mindless, I think mindless celebration of, of the thing and the possibility Mm -hmm. for resistance. Mm -hmm. And they don't, they also don't just critique the thing that forces passivity on it. Instead, they see the way in which there's something else at work, which is neither, we can't just mindlessly praise it and we can't just mindlessly criticize it. We have to instead interpret it. Yeah, I think that's that's super important. And I, I you know, there's a way that, um, that both um, those approaches rely on a, like an uninterrogated assumption, which is that like, um, you know, that like, re- like that resistance a priori is a good, that activity right. is a priori a good. And I mean, I think that, well, I mean, who, is that, point, is that, Ryan. is that, is that, Naomi, is that not, point. yeah, thank you. Is that not Naomi Klein? Resistance is not enough or, is, or, you know, or, 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 um, yeah, 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 you know, exactly. Exactly. You can just get in a cycle. You can just get in a, in a, in a self-fulfilling, like cynical kind of cycle with, well, with just, just on that. Don't you think that like the whole, problem with academic leftism is I want to keep myself in the position of resisting. Like (laughs) as long as I'm resisting, I feel fine. Right. But yeah, the point is of course, as, as I think Naomi Klein was talking about particularly the Trump era, but I think that's true anytime. Like resistance is definitely not enough. You have to formulate your own position that you're going to defend and, and try to advance. Yeah. It's like, um, a student sent me this, um, this tweet when, um, you know, all, all these colleges are putting out like pro black lives matter statements. And, uh, the, the, the tweet was that like my college sent me, um, uh, a statement st- standing against, um, systemic racism. And then this person wrote, baby, you are the systemic racism. And <laughs> I thought like that person is getting a real education. Like the, the absolutely like they, they've yeah. seen it like properly because you're right. Like, I mean, that is a total thing with, um, with, with academics is that like, you know, you like you, you know, you resist or you are left to the point that nothing changes for you in your job. Right. I mean, Slavoj loves to talk about the ultra leftist who never wants to endanger their tenure track. Right. But I think resistance, like the way that gets held up as the position, Mm -hmm. like you're right, that's completely unanalyzed in both Frankfurt and Birmingham school position, as well as the activity, right? The notion that activity is somehow good and that passivity is somehow a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I mean, it's, I don't think we can really, uh, you know, undersell the revolution that Fowler and Slavoj have, have engaged in, 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 mm. you know, rethinking the passive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's super interesting. And I think it like, it, like, as I think we tried to argue that like it, it um, it can, it certainly can attend to the present pol- uh, political moment and, and, and it is not, it is not, um, like it's important. I, I think if like, it was like a big takeaway is to not see the passive as the, as the enemy of like protest and active. But well, right. This, well, because don't you think that even there's a way in which protests can, can, can be an enactment of passivity. Like I was thinking of Mario Savio who trained the people to just be utterly passive when the cops tried to move them. Yeah, right. Yeah. We, we, our, our kids used to do whatever we were trying to take them anywhere and they would get upset with us. They would, they would just make their body go limp and they'd they would go boneless. To, 
And yeah. we would we would we would always say you're pulling a Savio, <laughs> like, <laughs> like stop pulling a Savio. And and so they for a while they had that in their vocab. They were little. They had that in their vocabulary. But I think now they've forgotten who Mario <laughs> Savio was. But um, but but I do think that's a really good point. That it's not that passivity isn't opposed to like to protesting or whatever. That in a way you can see that as a, an enactment of passivity. Yeah. And and that yeah. and that and that and that and that the. The, the, and that the, the forces of order are saying, well, no, no, stop being passive. Get out and be active. Do something, right? Like go back mm-hmm. to work. That's what they. I mean, yeah. that's what they really are saying. And yeah, exactly. I, I think I'm tempted to say that the whole COVID crisis is almost a crisis of passivity. Like we have so much passivity that all of a sudden people are becoming aware of racism. A lot of people in the way that they hadn't before. Yeah. Yes. And that it's it's precisely passivity that's made them aware of it. So maybe this yeah. this moment has actually shown them the possibilities for a revolution of passivity, like, like, uh, Robert Fowler kind of is, uh, you know, based on what we're, we're yeah. attributing to him, uh, mm-hmm. maybe he's advocating. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I think that's, uh, I think that's a great place to, to wrap up. So and as we, we said is the earlier, lesson, is the lesson watch Smokey and the Bandit, watch as Smokey we and said, the Bandit. and yeah. the, the <laughs> secondary lesson would be read it. Would you have time between moments of Burt Reynolds burning out in the Trans Am, uh, <laughs> Read Robert Fowler's inner passivity. As you watch Smoking the Bandit. Yeah. Right. That, you can do right. both together, right? Although that's a little active. Uh, maybe it's too active. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. <laughs> okay. All right. Over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm.